Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. I'm Sean Nelson, and in this episode, my wife Lynette interviews Caitlin. Caitlin is a birth mother, and she has a lot of really good thoughts to share. So she'll share her story with us, and then also answer several questions that help us in the adoption community understand a little bit more about what it's like to choose adoption for your unborn baby, and also a little bit more just about the perspective of a birth mother after placement. I personally really enjoyed listening to their conversation, and I hope that you enjoy it too. Well, we are here on the podcast with Caitlin. Thank you so much for being here with us, Caitlin. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Well, to start off, can we have you introduce yourself and just share some things about you? Yeah, um, my name is Caitlin Jensen. I currently live in a little town called Maricopa in Arizona. I'm originally from Utah and went to school in Idaho. Um, I'm 23 years old and I currently work in the adoption realm. All right, so let's start off by having you share your adoption story now. Okay, awesome. So it started when I was 18 years old. I was right out of high school, uh, brand new. I was getting ready to go to my first semester of college and I got a new job up there. And so I figured, you know what, I'll head down a month early to get all the training and stuff out of the way. So by the time I start school, I all that training will be done and I'll be good. And so when I went down there, I happened to meet an old coworker. Um, he was someone, we were really close in age. We always flirted at work growing up. Like I was about 16, 17 when I first met him. And he noticed that I was down there and said, hey, let me show you around. I'd love to, you know, show you around, hang out with you, that sort of thing. And I was fine with that. I thought, you know, he's he was always a really nice guy. So it'd be cool to just see him. So one thing kind of led to another. We hung out more and more and we ended up dating. And it was about, I'd say two months into the relationship um, where I just started feeling a little weird. And I was just like, this is, what are these weird symptoms? I'm not sure what this is. And so really quick, I went to Walmart and of course bought the cheapest pregnancy test I could and couldn't tell what it actually was reading when I read it. So I actually called my mom. I was like, hey, what are what are the symptoms you had when you were, when you were pregnant? And um, so she told me, and I realized I was having those same symptoms and I was like, Oh oh no. And so my mom actually set up an appointment for me at a clinic. And I did, you know, that whole pee in a cup to see if it's positive and lo and behold, it was positive, you know? And so it was a little scary. Um, I went to go tell him and he had actually already had another child when he was about 16. So it wasn't the best reaction. Um, and you know, how could it be? How could it be? He was 19. I was 18, you know, so it's a little scary for the both of us. And so told my mom, obviously she told my dad and then my parents just went into go mode. They just, they were like, okay, let's go. I was three days into school by that time. And they immediately came down. I got out of my classes. I dropped out of school and we got rid of all the stuff in my apartment. We packed it up and then we, we took it home. And um, I, was, I was kind of thinking, you know, I was like, okay, hey, this is good. This is what we need to do is we need to, we need to do an adoption plan. This is where we need to go with it. And I was, I was kind of in go mode as well and wasn't really thinking about it. And so 
moved back home with my parents, uh, still involved with the father and still really liked him, still very cared about him. And so we kept in communication, but moved home, just started looking into options. Uh, I lived next to a small college. So my parents were like, hey, let's get you signed up for classes while you're here. You might as well be taking a couple classes and, and let's look into getting a job and all this kind of stuff. So we just immediately went into like preparedness and like started to do what we could with this situation. So, but like I said, I was still involved with him, um, mainly just through texts and calls since we were about two hours apart at that point. Um, and when it came to my pregnancy, luckily my parents were really supportive right off the bat. They were, you know, if you want a parent, we'll help you parent. If you want to choose adoption, then we totally understand. We'll totally support you in that realm. Um, I personally was leaning more towards adoption. I think so was my family. Uh, my mom's adopted. And so we kind of had a little bit more experience in that realm. But I started the process and I just felt like I was shopping for a family. It was, it was so strange. I'd get on and all of these profiles would pop up and I wasn't sure what to do. And, you know, of course, these people aren't going to put you know, the bad things in their life or, you know, we fought on Tuesday or our kids usually throw tantrum, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to put that, which is totally understandable, but it was just really overwhelming for me. So I just, I kind of took a step back and I was like, oh my gosh. And I went, I was kind of in limbo for a little bit where I was like, I, I haven't chosen what to do. I know I'm supposed to pick a family, but I'm not sure. And I felt like it finally a little bit, I hit like this roadblock where I was like, I cannot move forward with adoption because I always had this question of what if, what if I could make it work? What if I could keep this baby? What if I could parent? What if I could do it? What if I could fix things with the birth father? And, you know, and what if I could make it work between us? Like, I can't go the route of adoption if I haven't fully explored this option as well. And I was going to do anything I could to see if I could keep the baby, I was going to make it work, you know? And so it was really difficult, but I ended up leaving home and it, it killed my parents and it, especially my dad. I just, I remember leaving and just, he was just crying because he just knew that it wasn't going to be a good option for me. And and to, to this day, they probably still don't know the reason why I left. I just, it wasn't because I was angry at them or because I was upset or overwhelmed. It's just because I couldn't go through with adoption if I didn't explore this route first. And I remember them calling a religious leader over to my house and um, he's kind of to get me to stay kind of like a last effort sort of thing, like don't go. And, and I told him straight up, I was like, I'm going to be back. I know I'm going to be back 100%, but I have, I have to do this. And I, I'm sure, you know, people would say, or my parents would probably say that there would be an easier way to figure that out. But at that time, that's just what I needed to do. Cause I still really liked him and I knew he had another son and he had made it work. And I was like, maybe, maybe him and I can do it. Maybe we can do it. So I left, went in, moved with him. And as anyone could expect, it was, it was bad from the start. It was not good. Um, I was working two jobs. I didn't take care of myself. I wasn't eating like I should have. And 
Uh, he really loved to party. I mean, he was 19. You can't expect any less of him, you know? And so he, he loved to party. So he was gone a lot of the time. And, you know, it just, it wasn't a good situation. I Sometimes I'd sleep until one, which I've never done in my life. So I think I had a bit of depression there, not something that was ever, you know, clinically, you know, prescribed or anything like that. But to the point where I think I had it a little bit and it was just a tough situation, but kept just in that routine. And then about a month later, his son actually came out to visit and drove him down, picked him up. And he, the only, he didn't get to see him very often. And so I thought this was going to be a weekend of just fun, spending time with him. This is going to be great. He talks about his son all the time. I'm actually going to see what he's like when he's a dad. And that'll be really good for me. And it'll be really great for us. And so his son came and he just partied all night, all night. So we were renting a room in a house and his son and I um, slept in a bed and tried to sleep as best we could while he partied all night long. And with that, the next day, he couldn't even really hang out with the son because he was completely hungover. Just couldn't hang out with them, couldn't be there, was just grumpy. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it was kind of a light bulb moment for me. And, but still not enough for me to like, I was like, okay, it was just one weekend, you know? And then the next week he left all week, all week. He told me he'd be back. And then he told me he'd be back. And then I'm coming home tomorrow. And he just, he didn't come back. And I, he was doing drugs and he was, he was drinking and doing all the stuff that he wanted to do, but all the things that, you know, but with, he couldn't be a support for me because he wanted to go party. And so I just, I called my mom and I just asked her, I was like, mom, can I come home? And she said, I think she's just waiting for me at that point. I think she's just waiting for my call, waiting for me to be like, Hey, can I come home? And automatically she was like, yes, absolutely you can come home. And so I grabbed all my things and I packed them into my car. Uh, my parents drove down to kind of help. And at that point we did kind of set, not some rules because, you know, obviously I was an adult, but they wanted to let me know that, hey, if you're coming home, you need to stay home this time. And which I completely understood. It broke them the first time and it was hard for me. And so but I knew for sure this time I was like, Kate, hey, you know what? I had my run for the last month and a half or so. I've seen what I needed to see to realize there's no way I can make this work now. And so, um, yeah. And so I ended up going home. And the thing is, though, I never held any resentment against the father. I still don't. He was 19. I was 18, you know, and so it's like, to this day, I mean, I, I hope he's doing well, but I've never been angry with him. Like, I don't think it's, I don't ever say it's his fault that I couldn't make it work. It just wasn't supposed to work. So with that, um, we packed everything up and then we went home. And I, I think divine intervention played a part because my phone ended up breaking. So I couldn't really have any contact with anybody. And I decided to just delete my social media. I lived in a small town and I did not want to have to deal with anything. I didn't want to post anything. I didn't want to see anybody else. So I just, I didn't fix my phone and I just got rid of my social media. And that's, that's what I did to just kind of cut myself off a little bit. So, yeah. And 
So I kept going, I was like, okay, I'm ready to start the process, but it still felt like shopping for a family a little bit. And I wasn't sure how to go about it. And I was kind of running out of time. And so it got to the point where people actually started reaching out to us. We didn't even have to ask, just people who wanted to adopt. Um, and there were a couple that came and we just realized it was a little too close to home and you know it wasn't gonna work. And then my mom, she's a nurse and she was working and her coworker came up and said, hey, my wife and I, we just got pregnant. It was a complete accident. All of our kids are grown up. So we're looking to adopt so that this child has someone to grow up with. And we thought about it. And that one was also, you know, too close to home. My mom couldn't, she didn't want to go to work knowing that her grandchild was with, you know, her person that's sitting across the desk from her, you know? So he understood. He was like, okay, that's totally fine. I totally get it. Um, but let me send you someone. Let me send you someone. They've got a little ebook that they've put together and they're really great. And so we were like, okay, yeah, send it over. They sent an email and my mom and I opened it up that night and it was just, it was just a moment. It was just one of those moments that you have. And we knew it because on the last page, they had this picture of them and they were holding hands and they were walking on this railroad track and they were blurred out, but the focus was on this sign that said, waiting for you. And it had a pair of pink shoes and a pair of blue shoes. And my mom and I just, we just looked at each other. We just cried. We were like, oh my goodness, this is so special. And I don't know why that one out of all these other profiles got to me, but it, it did. And we really loved it too, because they had, they had already adopted another little boy. So by the time that I had mine, they would have been a year apart, which is perfect. That's, I was like, he's going to have someone to grow up with. He's going to have a brother. He's going to have a sibling. This is going to be great. And we realized after looking back that we did have actually a ton of connections with them. They were from my hometown, but not enough connections to make it to where it was too close from home. So it actually, it worked out really well. There were a lot, a lot of details in there where we we're like, oh my goodness, this is so crazy. So it was great. So we, we contacted her, sent her, I think we sent her an email and we we're like, hey, we're really interested in your profile. You know, I think my mom sent it. She's like, my daughter's pregnant. She'd really love to get to know you. And so we got on a call with her and her husband and he is in the military. So he was stationed and couldn't leave. And we asked her if she could fly out and come see us and we could just meet face to face. And, and so she did. And I don't think she realizes this, but I was so nervous. I was so nervous to meet her. And I had like these lists of questions and it felt really intimidating to ask her these questions. And I felt really out of place. I felt like I shouldn't be the one asking these questions. This is just weird. But the whole thing went so smoothly. And we, we FaceTimed her husband. And so he was on the phone so he could be a part of it. And it went so well. And by the next morning, I think we sent either an email or we called them and we were like, hey, we, we would love for you to be a part of this journey with us. And this adoption journey if if you want and they were like absolutely they were they were so excited and so from then on we just we planned some things um we would send like pregnancy pictures or um I didn't take any pictures while I was pregnant I made sure I did I did not want to have any pictures at all and then um 
but we would send like baby bump pictures. And so those are the only ones I have. And my mom had them, she sent them to me. So I don't even have them, my mom has them. But so we'd send things like that. They would put like the ultrasound on a Christmas card and send it out to all their family. And they were super excited. So it was a good process. And then, so finally it came down to him being due. And she flew out a month early just in case and stayed with her family. They, they were in the same town, so it worked out really well. And he was due mid-April. So we were kind of prepared. We were like, okay. And then I had an appointment and it didn't go as, ex as expected. Um, my body wasn't feeding him the way he was supposed to be fed. So he wasn't growing. And so they moved the due date up a week. And I was like, okay, midweek, we're okay. It's going to be all right. And then they called me again and they said, hey, we're actually going to induce you tomorrow. And I was... I didn't know how to feel because I don't think I was ready in my head. I was like, wait, I still had two more weeks with this baby. Like, and you're telling me tomorrow, like I was just kind of in shock, but we had to tell them because her husband was on base and needed permission to get off. And like, we're like, you need to call him and get him on a plane now because this baby is coming. And so um we called her he she called him and he was working all this stuff out and it was just it was crazy and so yeah it was it was a lot of rush it was a rush within a lot of time frame where we just it was me trying to deal with the fact that I wasn't going to be with him as long as I thought and then also being really excited for them and then the stress of him getting there so it was a lot and then the next morning I was induced really early and I think he was waiting for his dad to get there because I was in labor for 36 hours and I pushed for two and right as he was delivered his dad got there like 10 minutes later so I'm pretty sure he's like I'm just waiting for dad to get here I'm not coming until he gets here so which was fine by me um and it was really it was really special so he was born and I had her hold him first because she's not able to have children. And I knew she'd never have that moment of, you know, that baby in your arms right as they come out. And so I wanted to make sure that she had that because I knew that I'd be able to have that in the future. So she held him first and then I held him. And then I believe my mom held him while I was getting all stitched up and cleaned and that sort of thing. And then by the time I was, um, good to go the father um, was there and he came into the room and he held him and it was this really really beautiful moment and um, that whole hospital visit was really interesting my whole family was there all my siblings got to hold him both of my sisters were there for the birth and my mom so that was a really cool experience for them um, one of my sisters I think almost passed out which was really funny she just couldn't handle it, it was it was funny but he was born the day before my birthday. And so usually if you have um, a natural birth, you can leave the next day. But my parents and I both agreed that we didn't want my birthday to be the day that I said goodbye, you know? So the hospital was really great and I stayed for an extra day. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was really nerve wracking. You know, I'm supposed to be celebrating my birthday and celebrating his, but knowing what was coming in the next couple of days. And so 
Um, and, but the family was really great the entire time. They actually made me this beautiful quilt that said um, something like, I love you to the moon and back and deeper than the ocean seas. Something, it was really beautiful. And I still use it to this day and these beautiful pillows. And I think they were really nervous that I was gonna change my mind because you have that 24 to 48 hour period where you can change your mind. Um, but, and there's no way to like reassure them. Like I knew that I was going to go through with the adoption, but they didn't know. And they're always worried and, you know, but they were, they were really great. So, um, the next day was Saturday and it was 10 o'clock. I remember that very well. It was 10 o'clock and they left me alone with him and to just kind of give me a moment. And I just held them. I just tried to memorize every single little detail, just every detail I tried to memorize. And um, he had a little scratch on his face from where he had scratched himself with his nails and those cute little white dots that they get when they're first born. And I just tried to memorize everything I could. And finally, I just looked at him and I just said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can, I can do this. We're ready. We can do this together. And so I put them in his little basket because they didn't, they won't let you carry them out. You know, you have to put them in something. And so put them in his basket and I rolled them out and it was the longest and shortest walk ever. They were in a room close to mine, like around the corner. They stayed the night in the hospital. And so I, I wheeled into that room and it was it was the longest and shortest walk. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but that's how it was. And so I finally, I got to the room and I had written two letters. I had written a letter to him about the situation because I never wanted him to think that he wasn't wanted. And so I, I wrote him a letter just explaining what was going on, why it happened, why I chose the way, the thing I did. And then I wrote him another letter about his health just so he had some sort of background. So if he ever went to the doctors, he could say, oh yes, this is what runs in my family. I wanted him to have that. And I had also made him a blanket that went with the book, um, Guess How Much I Love You. And so I gave him the book and I gave him a blanket and the letters and I explained those to his mom. And then I took him out of the basket and I handed him to his mom. And I gave him just one last, the biggest kiss that I could muster at that moment and just gave him the biggest kiss and gave her a huge hug. And then I just, after that, I, I left the room and I think I just kind of fell into my dad and I just cried. I just, I cried. And my mom and dad, they just told me how proud they were of me and, and, they just, they gave me the biggest hug. And it was just this moment that was just the hardest moment, but it was, it was okay. So then we left and we went home and it was the coping part that was, I think the most difficult, you know, I'll, I'd rather give birth 10 times than dealing with this coping part of it, but it was worth it. But we, we had this little shadow box that we created this little box with all these things. And at first, during the whole process, I was like, okay, I don't want anything of his. I don't want to be reminded. I don't even want to hold him. 
And obviously he got here and things completely changed. And so I ended up taking one of his socks and I ended up taking his blanket he was wrapped in and I took his little hat that they gave him. And my mom even took a pair of scissors and we cut off a little lock of his hair and, and we put it all in this, this box. And I put that in my room. And every time I went into my room, I just cried. So for the next like week, I actually just slept in the bed with my mom because I couldn't even go in that room with this beautiful blanket they made and these beautiful pillows they made and this little shadow box. I just, I couldn't deal with it. And so couldn't even go into the room. So I ended up sleeping with my mom for about a week just to kind of cope with it. Um, but it got better. It got easier. And then I asked them if they could send me pictures every month because they just change so much in that first year. And I know that they did. So I asked if they could send pictures and they did. And it was really great. I went back to school uh, about three or four months later. And the hardest day I had there was the finalization of the adoption because it's about six months that they have. And I thought it was gonna be October 31st and I got on social media at, on October 30th and realized it had been that day. And so in my head, I had had like one more day, not for him to be mine, but it was just that, you know, that finalization, that moment. And I think because I wasn't mentally prepared, I was mentally prepared for it to be the next day, not that day. And so I think because I wasn't mentally prepared, I just broke. And I was living with five other girls at the time. And I just went into one of the bathrooms and I just cried because nobody else knew. I hadn't told any of my roommates or anything. And it was, it was rough. It was, it, that was probably the hardest day I've ever had. And since then, since then I've been good. Since then I haven't had a hard day like that. There are still songs that remind me of him or, or moments or, you know, when his birthday comes around, but, um, it's, it's really, it's, I'm at a better place now. And I wish I would have gone to therapy or counseling sooner because it took me a couple years to get to the point where I could deal with it in a healthy way. And since then it's, it's been really great. The fact that my school offered free counseling made the biggest difference to me, but now it's good. Now it's awesome. I get to see pictures all the time. I talk to his parents all the time. Um, he's going to school, which is so weird. And I follow them on social media. So I see all of these different things that they're doing. If they go to the zoo or things like that. Um, I, you know, we wish each other happy birthdays and they are so sweet. And they send me flowers on birth mother's day, which is the day before mother's day. So, and they don't have to, but they still do because they're just the sweetest people ever. And they're very open about adoption to both of their children. So, um, recently she actually just told me that he actually asks for pictures of me which I just thought was so sweet because before that I didn't realize he knew who I was. And now the fact that he's asking to see my picture is just the sweetest thing. So ultimately I had a semi-open adoption. So I only talked to the adoptive parents and that's what I chose to do. I think they would have been open with an open adoption, but I just kind of wanted to, I wanted him to only have one mom, one dad. And I didn't want him to have the influence of 
my life, although it would have been good, I just wanted to kind of separate a little bit and let him live his life and not it be confusing. So I can see it turning into an open adoption though. And so my door is wide open. If he ever wants to come say hi, it is wide open. So I can see it slowly evolving into something like that. But yeah, so that's, that's my story. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. All right, so I have so many follow-up questions. <laughs> so about how far along were you when you picked out the adoptive family? So I was between, I think, four to five months. Okay. So it took so, me a while to get there. It took me a minute. But you were pregnant for probably about three or four months after that, right? And so like mm -hmm. after you guys were matched. Yeah, yeah. After okay, cool. yeah. And I didn't go through an adoption agency. So it was just us. And they had a previous adoption lawyer from their first adoption. So they just they were really great. They took care of everything. But yeah, from the time we matched, we had about three, three and a half months together. Mm -hmm. Okay, awesome. And then you said that your mom was adopted. Yes. So does she know her biological family? Does she have a relationship with anyone from that? She does. Yeah. She, both of her parents died um, from cancer when she was really young, but um, for the last 10 or 15 years, she's been able to reconnect with all of her siblings, which is really great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, so they were all placed as well. And so it was really cool for all of them to come together. So yeah. Yeah. So how do you think your mom's adoption influenced your decisions as you made your adoption plan? I think it just proved to me that it worked and it could work. And that being said, I fully understand that not every adoption is a happy one, but I saw the other alternative, which was the birth father in my child's life and the, in the fact that I got to have full control over what I wanted in a family gave me that hope of this can be a much better life than what he could have. And that's kind of same with my mom's story is I'm, I'm not sure what her life would have been like had she not been adopted, but I think she could have been worse off had it been that way. But I can see how it's benefited um, her and her life. And so, yeah, that played a huge part in my decision. Interesting, awesome. All right. And then was the birth father involved at all in the adoption plan? Did he help pick a family or anything? No, no, not at all. Um, to this day, I actually don't think he believes it was his kid. Um, I can attest it definitely was his child. But um, yeah, he that week that I left when he kept told he kept telling me, I'll be back tomorrow, I'll be back tomorrow. I just left. And after that, I didn't have any communication with him. I think he he emailed or he sent me a message on Facebook and um, I said, I left. And he said, I know. And I think that's the last really communication that we had. And he never tried to get involved or anything. I think he was more relieved that I had left than had I stayed. So, which I completely understand considering both his and mine situation. So yeah, he wasn't involved at all. And then we talked, or you talked a little bit about therapy and how helpful that's been. Yes. and how you wish that had started sooner. Um, do you have any more thoughts on that that you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like before I went to therapy, I felt like I couldn't or shouldn't 
share that story, especially within my uh, religious culture. That's not very like looked upon as the greatest thing. And so a lot of people when they're closed minded think you're you're damaged or you're broken or you have this baggage and that's what I thought and so I just didn't and didn't want to share it and I was so afraid because I started to date again and I was like when do I share this when do I you know do I share it do I wait till we're engaged to bring this up like just all these questions and so I wish people would understand that therapy is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you are any less of a person if you go seek help for something you went through that was traumatic. So even if it's not traumatic to other people, it could be traumatic to you and getting help is not a bad thing. It should be more, it should be talked about more. So I wish I would have went sooner. I wish I would have had the mindset of I'm not broken. I don't need to be fixed. It's just, I need to learn how to cope with what I went through. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like you share your story more now or do you keep it more quiet still and just share it with people who you feel? Oh, I definitely share it. I definitely share it. Yeah. I mean, I work in the, I work for adoption.com and I work in the birth mother realm. So if someone, if a woman comes to us and she finds herself with an unplanned pregnancy, then I help her get to an adoption plan if that's what she wants to do. And a lot of the time she asks me about my story. And I've also shared my story on my social media. Um, I also have another page for birth mothers that I've started called Caitlin's Corner, which is how we met. And um, there I just, I'm try to build support for other women and my story is on there as well. So yeah, I definitely share my story. Any opportunity, I think I shut it down for a couple years and now I'm just exploding and I'm like hey how can I help you this is how this worked for me and this is what didn't work for me so yeah that's awesome do you feel like getting therapy and getting help helped you get to that point where you were more comfortable sharing yeah yeah and I think it made me more confident I dated unfortunately I dated a lot of guys who I think because of my religious culture were really like, oh, that's hush hush. We shouldn't talk about that. Okay. Like I accept that about you, but let's not mention it to everybody or anybody. And that was just not after therapy. I realized that is not okay. Like, because they saw me as as a sense of, I've got this baggage and I, I took their word for it where I was like, oh yeah, you're right. We should hush this up. Like, okay, you know about it and you accept it, but you obviously aren't accepting it because you're not allowing me to grow from it. And so therapy definitely made me more confident in my situation and realized that I have nothing to be ashamed of. I went through something very difficult and I did something very selfless, which took a lot of courage. And there are other people out there doing that, that don't have any sort of support, or they have people telling them that, Hey, be quiet about it. Hush, hush. Don't talk about it. And that's just not right. So therapy definitely made me more confident in my story and helping others with it. I love that. Removing that shame and that stigma. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So before all of this happened, were you familiar with open adoption? Did you have any feelings on that? Um, I could kind of guess just from like the name of it, like closed, open, how it would go. Um, I didn't have a ton of knowledge. I just assumed what each of them were. From the very beginning, I wanted a closed. I was like, oh, it needs to be closed. And then as time went on, I realized like that's not the healthiest thing to do, at least for me. 
wasn't the healthiest thing to do, but I know I didn't want it open. I know I didn't want to go visit on birthdays or anything like that. I wanted so he could grow without any sort of confusion and it works for other people. I just wasn't what I wanted. So it ended up just kind of morphing into a semi-open adoption where I could still have contact with his parents, but not directly to him. But yeah, I didn't have much knowledge, but as the process goes, I did some research. And what were your initial thoughts and feelings as you were looking at adoption? Um, what were the reactions like with your family and your friends? You talked about how your parents were super supportive, yeah. but beyond yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I kept it super hushed while I was pregnant, just because, again, I lived in a small town and I knew it was going to get out anyways. Um, but my friends were, my friends were great. I had one friend who reached out to me and she just, she asked me, she's like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, I was embarrassed. And she just opened up and was just the most amazing person and was just, you can come to me for anything, any help, any support you need. Like, that's what I'm here for. And, and I think she talked about like, whether you parent or whether you go like place this child for adoption, that's completely up to you. And I'm, I'm going to love you no matter what. So I had friends who were very supportive and my family was very supportive as well. That's awesome. So looking at those most supportive family and friends, um, what advice would you give to others who are trying to support a loved one who's experiencing an unplanned pregnancy? Oh, my biggest advice to them would be do not pressure them one way or the other. I talked to so many women today who tell me, oh, well, I want to place the child for adoption, but my mom says that um, she wouldn't support me or that she would disown me. Or people say even their uncles have an opinion about it. Like, oh, you're, you're weak. That's the easy way out if you place your child for adoption. And so, and it's just so hard because some of these women are 14, 15. They're just kids themselves, you know? And so my biggest advice would be do not pressure them. Sit them down tell them these are your options on this side. This is how the situation would be. This is how it could turn out. Whereas if you go this way, this is how it could be. Like sit down with them and help them make an educated and personal and sensitive decision, but do not pressure them either way because ultimately it is not your decision, it is theirs. And you need to support them no matter what direction they go. So that would be my advice. <laughs> That's so well said. Great. So if you could travel in time and give yourself some advice during placement, what would that be? I would probably tell myself that, you know, don't let this define your worth. Don't let, you know, don't let other people tell you that you're damaged or that this is baggage or um, that you're any less of a person because you've had a an unexpected pregnancy. And then I think I would also tell myself, your family is just going to get bigger because I think I looked at it and I said, I'm losing a child. You're losing someone. And when in reality, I literally just gained a whole family. And whenever I see them, they give me the biggest hug. Like if I see his grandparents every now and then they'll give me the biggest hug. Like I did not lose anybody. I literally gained an entire family. So I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, hey, this is gonna work. Don't let this define your worth and your family's just gonna get bigger. You're just gonna have more people to love. So it's gonna be okay. Beautiful. 
All right, so how has your relationship with your child and their adoptive family evolved over time? I know that you said it's semi-open and you mm -hmm. talked about how you have some contact. Um, has that changed at all or has it stayed pretty much the same? Um, it stayed pretty much the same where we just kind of, um, they'll send things to me or like, hey, he's his first day of school or I'll tell them happy birthday or that sort of thing. And we just kind of communicate that way. Um, it's usually just through like text. Um, and so, but I can see it right now, they're actually in Europe because that's where he's stationed. And so he, um, they're pretty far away. So, but I can see as time goes on and as, as he gets older, I, I can see us being more involved. I can see him, him and I meeting and I can see us spending time together. I can see me going to his wedding or a graduation, things like that as time goes on. So um, I know that's not, it might not be the case. And I was fully prepared for that when I did a semi-open, but with how amazing this family is and how open they just already are, I can definitely see that being a possibility. I love that. So what advice would you give to others who are navigating these relationships and adoption and how to make the relationship work? Um, I, I just say that you should, you should be supportive and you should, and my biggest thing is counseling and therapy. There's nothing wrong with it. And so I definitely think is, you know, you kind of navigate through it and face all these different challenges and stuff like that, that it's, it's okay to get help. It's, they're so afraid to ask for help. And because I know I was, because I already felt embarrassed and ashamed anyways, that asking for help was just not something you wanted to do. And so I think asking for help is just the biggest thing. Don't be ashamed to do that. What have you struggled with regarding adoption and what do you wish others understood? Oh, I wish people were more educated and I wish birth mothers were more educated. I, it's, it's slowly moving, um, I guess like 50 years ago, you could say even less than that, 30 years ago, it was more about the adopted, the adoption family, the ones that, you know, the child was placed with rather than the birth moms. And it was not focused on that. And so I think that some of the challenges that adoption faces is the fact that um, these women don't understand because they're not educated. They, they need, they understand, they need to understand that you have control in a situation where you've lost it. You know, you experience an unplanned pregnancy and you're just like, oh my gosh, what do I do? You know, you feel like you've lost all control. So when it comes to adoption, I feel like these women need to be more educated on the fact that, hey, I do have control. I get to pick the family. I get to pick their race or their religion or their values or, you know, what they do for Christmas. You know, I get to have some control where they live and where they don't. And I wish people knew that because I feel like that's what's so intimidating is these women find themselves with an unplanned pregnancy and they go into it not realizing that they have full control over the situation. And, and so instead they just think, oh, they're gonna take my baby and I'm never gonna see this baby again. But, and that's how it was not too long ago, but definitely it's evolved into something a lot more beautiful and a lot more healthy for everyone involved. Absolutely. All right, so how do you think your experience of placing your baby for adoption has shaped your life plans at this point? 
Oh man, um, it's shaped everything. Uh, it's, I've based my whole career on it. I, I got my de degree in social work and sociology. And now, like I've said, I work for adoption.com. And just last week, I spent a couple days at um, the Gladney Center for Adoption on adoption day and got to watch almost 50 adoptions finalized. And that's what I do and that's what I love. So how has it shaped my life? Um, quite drastically. <laughs> it's, it's literally my life's, I'm trying to make it my life's work, as you could say, just trying to help all these women by using the experience I had in order to help them. I love that. So you'd say your career aspirations are really to help other women experiencing unplanned pregnancy. Definitely, definitely, yeah. And I just want to continue to do that. Very cool. All right, so what do you think some of the biggest challenges that the adoption community faces are? I think it's just back to the fact that people aren't educated. I wish that, you know, people understood what adoption was. Because if you look back, like I said, years ago, it was something that wasn't, you know, the best situation. But in today's world, we can, due to the fact that people have studied it and they've studied birth mothers and they've studied what happens to a birth mother after her child is placed, you know, and they realize that all these closed adoptions from way back when really destroyed these women and how having an open adoption or semi-open, you know, or having an adoption plan that you are in control of, even if it is closed, if that's what you want, you know how to cope with it. And the fact that people are more open, I feel like it's just not taught. So do you have any thoughts on things we can do to improve the adoption community or to make things better? Yeah, I mean, I personally wish we could teach it in school. I really wish we could teach it in school because we teach about sex ed and obviously unplanned pregnancies happen because that concept just wasn't grasped. Or for me, I was told I couldn't have children, so it didn't seem like a precaution I needed to take. And so you know, that you run into these situations where you're like, I didn't even think I had to worry about sex ed, but obviously I did, but now it's too late. So, you know, I wish we could teach in schools, just these young kids, just even if it doesn't happen, because people think the majority of birth mothers are teenagers when they are not. The majority of women I talk to are between the ages of, I'd say 22 to 35 actually. And I've even had women who are in their forties come to me. And so, but I wish if, if they had known from a younger age, what the adoption process looked like and what would happen and what control you have in a situation, if it does happen, then I feel like the process would be less intimidating. So I feel like we teach sex ed in school, but we don't teach up the, the backups. You know, we don't go in with planned parenthood if that's what they want to do. We don't go in with adoption. And so when it does happen and the whole sex ed talk doesn't work, they're not sure what to do. So I feel like if we were allowed to educate kids at a younger age, it would be less intimidating if it were to happen to them. Quick question. So what you said, you were told that you wouldn't be able to have kids? Yeah, yeah, and I was, yeah, I just, I have a lot of ovarian cysts and ovarian cancer runs in my family. And so I was told, hey, due to the mass amount of your ovarian cysts, you probably will not be able to have children. So I went to school thinking, hey, this isn't something I need to take a precaution with because I was told that it couldn't happen anyways. And so I also wasn't very educated as I should have, 
you know, I feel like people should be more open as well with, with women and their cycles and how they work and what to track and what not to track and when to track, because it's those things that probably had I known, I mean, at least I would have been more aware about it, but I feel like luckily that's slowly becoming a subject that's not so hush hush, but it definitely was. And I feel like that would be something else that we could be like, Hey, if you don't want to experience an unplanned pregnancy, here's some things to know, you know? So yeah, I think it's just education. We just need to educate people because things have changed so drastically in the last 30, 50 years. And so we need to reamp, you know, hey, this is actually how it is. This is how it used to be, but it's changed. I love that. Education, empowering women. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? No, I just thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity. It was it was great. And I really appreciate you giving me a platform that I'm able to share such a special and sacred experience to me. Well, we really, really appreciate you opening up and sharing your story. It's beautiful. And we really are going to enjoy sharing this with our listeners. Thank you. I'm excited. want to give a huge thanks to Caitlin Jensen for being willing to meet with us and sharing with us her experiences. So grateful for her openness and for her life's work now to improve adoption and the experience that expectant mothers and birth mothers are having. Near the end of the episode, Caitlin shared about the importance of education in the adoption world and As a podcast, our hope and our purpose really for existing is to help educate and to really look at adoption from all sides of the adoption triad and hear experiences and better understand the feelings and the process through so many people's eyes. So our hope is that we are helping fulfill her her goal in educating the community. And our hope also is that you, as you listen to these episodes, can share what you're learning with others, whether that's sharing an episode or just relating a story or something that you've heard. The more that we can share, the more that we'll improve the knowledge about the adoption community. And I think the better in the end, we'll be able to make the experience for adoptees. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Open Adoption Project podcast. We'll be back with a new episode next week. Mm